So very excited. This week we have a really, a really amazing guest who is a living legend, Dr. Russell Warren. Uh, everybody knows Dr. Warren is one of the great leaders in the evolution of sports medicine. He literally helped to create the category. Uh, he spent his entire career pretty much at Hospital for Special Surgery, longtime team physician uh, for the New York Giants. And we have some great conversation about those battles between the Giants and the Patriots in the 2000s and Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick. Uh, and literally, you know, we spent a lot of time just talking about, you know, how he helped to create this, this category of orthopedics, which really did not exist before. His list of sports medicine fellows that have worked with him are the who's who in sports medicine. We talk about the evolution of the hospital for special surgery and his latest project, which is a, a, a private equity platform, AOP, where he's leading that with Dr. Jim Andrews. So really a wonderful episode from a wonderful man who has such rich history. Uh, we're really happy to be able to share this. Hashtag follow the fro. At Koha Health, our goal is empowering your practice to achieve total financial health. We understand this looks different for every practice, which is why the Koha solutions are tailored to fit your needs. Our Koha Health team is here to guide your practice success by improving your financial process so you can collect all the cash you are owed, providing a great patient experience, and creating your plan for what comes next for you and your partners. Through open communication, this creative application of technology and a love for efficient processes, Koha ensures that you reach the next great milestone. You've built your practice. Let us help you build its future. To learn more, visit kohahealth.com. That's K-O-H-A health.com. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world and I could not be more excited for today's episode. We literally have a living legend in sports medicine. That's Dr. Russell Warren. Uh, he is the Surgeon-in-Chief Emeritus at the Hospital for Special Surgery, a longtime team physician for the New York Giants, professor of orthopedics at the Cornell Medical School, and the list could go on for another half hour, but uh, we want to we want to get to talk to Dr. Warren. So really, what a, what a pleasure it is, and thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. Well, thank thank you for having me. Uh, I look forward to our conversation here. Um, awesome. So, so you know, I'm we're we're here from I'm from Boston originally, and we have a little place up in Queechee, Vermont. And our research says that you were born in Burlington, Vermont. Is that correct? That's correct. I was only I only I don't remember it because I was only there three years, but I really grew up in Massachusetts and uh, outside of Northampton on a little small town called Williamsburg. But um, I grew up on a farm there, so I, I think that's good training for orthopedic surgery. Absolutely, got to get those muscles trained early on. I love it. So, so when when did the bug for medicine and orthopedics come from you? Where did it come from? Well, I'm not exactly sure, really. I mean, I had I can tell you a couple of stories. I mean, growing up in a small 
farm town. Um, we, our school didn't have much in the way of organized sports. And so there was an individual in town that set up a youth football team to play in Northampton, which is about 10 miles away and had five or six teams. So I got involved with it when I was in a sixth grade. I really liked it. Got me off the farm, let me uh, socialize with other kids and stuff. So I decided to uh, go to Northampton instead of Williamsburg High School. So I had to pay tuition to go there. And the only reason I went there was football. And it was a better school, much bigger school, about a thousand students. And with a thousand students, you can play a lot of sports. So I played football freshman year and did fine. My sophomore year, I dislocated my shoulder. And the team doctor, in his infinite wisdom, he didn't tell me about getting it fixed or anything. He just said I couldn't play. It was the only reason I was going to high school there. So I played, he let me play baseball and that sort of thing. And then my junior year, again, I couldn't play. And I was six foot, 180. I was running back. So finally, my senior year, um, and I was really annoyed with medicine greatly. Fortunately, I didn't become a juvenile delinquent. And uh, I was a manager on the team. So my senior year, I was going to play. And the only reason I was going to play was because the guy died. <laughs> and so the team told me I could play at school. And so I, that summer in uh, August, I was working on the farm. And I got uh, pericarditis, which is inflammation of the lining of the heart. And I think I got it from the chickens because they had a viral disease that killed about 100,000 of our chickens one summer. And uh, they named it Warren virus disease. Uh, anyhow, I got pericarditis and I missed a year of high school. So I saw a lot of doctors, I saw a lot of medicine and um, they, had, they told me I could graduate if I finished the spring semester, but I decided I wanted to play ball. So the following that fall, I went back out for the team, ended up running, being a running back, made all state, um, ended up getting scholarships. So it changed my whole life, um, that one fall season. And it, my grandfather had gone to Yale. I knew about the Ivy League. And so I just, I thought I'd like to go to a, a league that didn't have spring football because I hated spring football and because I like to play baseball. And so that's how I got interested in medicine a little bit. But I did from the other side, I was very annoyed with it. And yeah, then okay. um, I went to Columbia and played. And um, we had a tough time struggling for a couple of years. And our senior, we finally won the Ivy League. But I injured my knee when I was there and tore the medial collateral ligament. And no one really told me about rehab or anything at that time. And I finally figured it out myself that I needed to get the muscle back and um, got it back gradually. And so then the, the third little thing that made me interested in medicine was when I was at um, playing, when I went to med school, the, um, I ended up playing minor league football. I'd gotten drafted by the Jets and I was cut by the Giants. And so I, I went to the Atlantic Coast League. And um, actually they were originally, Providence Steamrollers were part of the NFL back in the 30s. They actually beat the Giants, if you can believe that, for the title. And I played there for the next two or three years and I, one day I got hit on the side of my head. A guy caught me from an elbow, big outside linebacker, I'd just been cut by the Rams. And I felt this dent and I went over the team doctor and the doctor said, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. So I played the rest of the game. 
So that night when I flew back to Syracuse med school, I went to the emergency room, they x-rayed it and they had collapsed my zygomatic arch. Fortunately, I didn't break the orbit. So they operated that night and popped it back out. But the only reason I tell the story was that basically these examples kind of convinced me that sports medicine didn't really exist at that time. And when I got interested in going to orthopedics later, at the back of my head was that sports medicine was something that might be a fun thing to do, maybe needed some help. So, so let me ask you a question. Let's go back a little bit. So was that team doctor in high school? Was he a general surgeon or was he an orthopedic? No, he, he was a community doctor. He was a nice enough person and everything, but he just didn't know anything about being a team physician or taking care of athletes and that type of thing. Um, and it was never suggested to me at the time that you could fix my shoulder. So my shoulder then dislocated, oh, all, you know, into college, I was playing Rutgers my senior year. It hadn't dislocated in five or six years. Before the game, I, I used to punt, so I was practicing punting. And I reached up for the ball when he snapped over my head, my shoulder dislocated. So they had to pop it back in. Then we had to go play Rutgers. Rutgers at that time was undefeated. Actually, they were number one in the East at the time. Um, interesting game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. So, you know, you go through this whole thing with all these medical, you know, issues in high school, but you still persevere. You like football. You go to Columbia, you play Columbia for four years yep. and you have an, have an opportunity to try out and, you know, for the Jets and the Giants. So obviously you were really good. You recognize the fact that there's no true sports medicine at this point. Uh, and so you, you see a need. You go to medical school, you go to Syracuse. But before you sort of work your way into to orthopedics, you're going to serve your country. And you're a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy in Vietnam uh, in 1969, and you win the U.S. Navy Medal of you know, Commendation. Uh, that must have been uh, a tremendous experience. Uh, I mean, at that time, they had something called the Berry Plan, in which um, you basically had to join or else they would take you out of your residency. So I had two years of general surgery at St. Luke's here in New York City. And so then I flew to... Uh, California for, I was supposed to be there for three or four months. And um, they told me the next day that I was going to Vietnam. So I st still remember flying into Da Nang and um, it was about eight o'clock at night. And there's all these tracer bullets flying back and forth on the mountain. It was called Marble Mountain around the side of the base where the Marines were. And so there was a firefight going on at that time up there. So I was there for about a year. I was on a hospital ship repose where we had about 1,200 beds. We had, oh, 20 doctors, maybe 1,200 corpsmen. And um, it was quite of an experience. You would be very busy sometimes. And then at other times, it was very quiet during malaria season. But um, we, I was a GMO, so I wasn't a fully trained surgeon, but I got to do a lot of surgery while I was there and you would run triage that the GMOs would run the triage part of the operation. And then you'd figure out what you had to do. You figure out who you couldn't fix or who wasn't going to make it. Then you'd go to the OR and you might be there for 18, 20 hours. And um, then it'd be very quiet for a few days. So it was very busy at some points and very quiet at others, but you really learned a lot about surgery. 
you ended up having to do vascular repairs or GI surgery, just depending on what rotation you were on. Fortunately, we had board certified guys in all the specialties. So I really treated it like a residency. Um, it's a phenomenal learning, learning experience. Yeah. Talk about being in the trenches and really learning, you know, as you go. And so uh, thank you very much for your, your service to the country. So you, you then come back and, you know, you're going to the hospital for special surgery, which we'll talk a little bit more about because I want to talk about the evolution of HSS and, you know, sure. you've, been, you've been there for most of your career, but yeah. you do your, you do your residency. And then, you know, it's interesting, you know, I did my fellowship at Curlin Job. Uh, and the sports medicine fellowship at Curlin Job started up in 1973. I just did my research last night to check on that. Okay. And I know that 1977, you decided to do a shoulder fellowship with Dr. Near at Columbia. And I'm curious, I want to talk about that too, but was there, was there an opportunity to do a sports medicine fellowship or was it really in its infancy at that point? Well, it was just starting. Um, when I was in special surgery as a resident, John Marshall um, who, who was the head team physician for the Olympics ski team uh, was setting up a sports service at HSS. This is like when I was a resident in 70, 71. And so I worked with John a little bit. And then um, I actually, I left and went and practiced in Virginia for three years. And then I decided that I would like to do something more in academics. And so, so John and I talked. And what had happened was when I came back from Vietnam, I was out at St. Albans near, uh, out near Kennedy Airport. And we had a huge orthopedic population, 1,200 patients, four orthopedists, three GMOs. And a lot of these guys had had surgery and we were very busy. Dr. Neer used to come out once every six weeks and also Bob Carroll. And Neer would review our cases, talk about what to do and things like that. So it was a good learning experience. And so when I was in Virginia and decided I wanted to come back, I already knew Dr. Neer. So I called him up and I said, Dr. Neer, I think you need to have a fellow. <laughs> he didn't have a fellowship at the time. And he said, okay, you can come. And Dr. Wilson set it up for me. My wife wasn't too happy because I wasn't getting paid a whole lot anymore. I had to go back, start like a resident. And so actually what was interesting was right before me was Rich Hawkins. He had been there for a month. And um, so Rich Hawkins and I were the first two fellows for Dr. Neer. So I was there that fall then went back to special surgery and then got involved with the shoulder, but also worked with, with uh, John Marshall on a lot of knee projects. So I tried to do both. And then unfortunately, John, we came back from the academy meeting and it was a um, snowy day and John was going to fly up to Lake Placid for the 1980 Olympics where the hockey team played, beat Russia. And I remember saying to him that morning, I said, you know, John, maybe I ought to just wait. He said, no, it's not too bad. We'll go. So then I got a call at three o'clock that morning, the next day that John had died in a plane crash oh, when no. they hit a mountain. Oh my God. So that really changed my whole life quite a bit because I had been thinking about running my own show. I'd interviewed at UCLA and a couple of places. And then I, with John's uh, passing, um, I decided I'd try to stay. And Dr. Wilson said he'd make me acting chief and see how I did. So that's actually how I ended up staying at HSS at the time. 
That's amazing. So, so tell me, 1977, you're working with Dr. Neer, you're doing a fellowship. What were you doing in the shoulder in 1977, right? There's so well, many sophisticated. Yeah, it was all open surgery. Yep. Um, I had been interested in, when I was in Virginia, I'd actually started doing arthroscopy and um, had gotten a lot of equipment and gotten things started. So I already knew a little bit about arthroscopy, but at that time, at Columbia, they really weren't doing any arthroscopy in the shoulder. And so I learned a lot of open techniques, a lot of issues about stabilization, rotator cuff. And Dr. Neer developed a shoulder system. So I got comfortable with putting in total shoulders at that, at that time. So it was a real nice combination to go along with what I'd learned with John Marshall on the, on the knee. And so when I went back to HSS, I had a shoulder service. And then I worked with John on the sports service. So with John's passing, eventually I combined the two and made it shoulder and sports. And we've subsequently separated it. And Larry Galata at HSS is doing a great job running the shoulder group with Dave Dines. And then uh, Andy Pearl's running the sports service now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. So, you know, you start off with your own personal experience and the lack of, of understanding in the sports medicine world. And now you're carving out as a young, you know, early, early on in your career, the idea that, you know, sports medicine needs to be something that's developed. And you, you, you have the opportunity to work with, you know, tremendous mentors who are, you know, leading industry, titans of industry at the time and amazing names that you describe. Uh, and then you start developing this process at the hospital for special surgery um, and then, you know, three years in, you're, you're now on staff and the opportunity comes for you to become the team physician for the New York Giants. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, essentially, um, John was acting as the team physician for the Giants and with his passing, they turned it over to somebody else over in New Jersey. I was trying to help out up at Columbia at the time because I was interested in it. Um, and so I would go up there every week and there were a couple of the doctors that were working on um dr zickel zickel nail you may remember um was one of the team doctors there so they let me work with them and so what happened was ronnie barnes who's the head trainer at the giants um called me up one day and asked me if i wanted to come out and interview about being the team doctor and um he had spoken i guess to train her up at Columbia and expressed an interest. So I, I thought about it at the time I was trying to do a fair amount of research and it was really a question in my mind, whether I should do this. And I spoke to a couple of the team physicians in the league and uh, they thought it would be a worthwhile opportunity. And so with Ronnie, so, who was a great friend of mine, I decided to go with the giants and put together a system with him. And what we did basically was we got George Young, who was our general manager, to agree that I could have a fellow come out and participate and learn a lot about it. So it made it an educational thing for us. And so we actually, over the years, wrote a lot of papers based on the NFL and um, our, with our fellows and trainers out there. It made it a real great learning experience. So there were, oh, there must be... 60 or 70 fellows around the country that um, trained with us that eventually ended up, you know, like Dan Cooper's doing the Cowboys and Mark Bowen does out of 
the Chicago Bears. And there's a lot of guys around the country that came through our program. But really, it was because of Ronnie Barnes and getting the fellows cleared, if you will. So we actually had the, the worst first uh, woman doctor in the NFL was Joe Hennepin, who later became uh, president of the uh, our American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine. Um, she was a great gal and worked with us. You know, she did a year of research with me and then a, a year of clinical. You know, it's interesting for our listeners. I think that early on for most professional sporting teams, uh, it was it was really sort of nepotism as to how it was decided who was going to be the team physician and credentials didn't really matter. And and then, you know, your fellowship in particular, when you started with the Giants and really developed a process where a sports medicine fellowship wasn't just learning how to do arthroscopy or surgery, but it was really learning how to care right. for the professional athlete. Uh, and that really elevated. Encompass that whole thing. So you were how to take care, work with the trainers, how to take care of them on a lot of different levels. Um, we had on the Giants, psychiatrists, nutritionists, a lot of different aspects of sports medicine that, that initially I didn't really know much about. And gradually we've learned a lot. Um, yeah. So I think that what what's really developed now is that, you know, and, and this is something that you helped to create in its infancy is that sports medicine fellowships uh, really allowed you to develop the street, the, the credentials to be able to right. then go forward. And, and your fellows, I mean, the, the, it's a who's who in sports medicine of the people that you've trained and where they are and what they've done and the amount of people that well, they've that, trained, you know, really the fun part of it to see how guys have come through the system and worked with the giants or with the other teams that we cover at HSS and then gone out and practice and became involved in the, the orthopedic societies and have done a great job promoting the field and creating educational information for everybody. So that's been a very much a fun part of it. And with the giants, um, Scott Rodeo and Sam Taylor now are, are doing the job working with Ronnie. Ronnie's still there. Giants are playing a little better this year. I don't know how far we'll go. We got some tough games coming up. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a new, the new England Patriots fan. So, you know, uh, we oh, can, we can spend a whole other podcast just talking well, about I can that. Tell you, you know, you know, Bob Kraft was went to Columbia when I was there. He was he played lightweight football. He was, I think, he was a year, just a year behind me, something like that. So I've kind of followed his career over the years. And um, the Patriots, if the Giants don't win, I I kind of like seeing the Patriots win. Yeah, well, and then you've got Bill Belichick, obviously, that you spent a bunch of time with early in his career. Yeah, he spent a good 10 years with us. and yeah. um, A couple, a couple of Super Bowl half, rings together. I, I'll tell you, he's a phenomenon on uh, what he would do at halftime to change the defense to make them more effective in the second half. He would just shut you down. I mean, it was amazing how he could take away somebody's offense. I mean, I got to tell you, in 2008, when David Tyree had that helmet catch <laughs> and it ruined that perfect season, it, it took me a decade to get over that play. And I'm um, sure you, it was a little different for you on the field. I'm sure you were pretty oh, excited. I mean, all I saw was Eli was in trouble and he's about to be sacked. And suddenly he just flings the ball. And I said, well, that's going to 
going to be too good. And all of a sudden he's got on the side of his helmet. <laughs> I know um, he did that. That just changed. You know, it's just amazing uh, uh, how, how the Miami Dolphins uh, team players from the, uh, from the, from their perfect season must have been really pretty excited with that, uh, when that oh, catch was made. Absolutely. But, I mean, the emotional level on the sidelines is yeah. something to behold. Yeah. And you I'm sure remember he, the second time we played New England and, uh, we were behind by, I guess, what, four points with about a minute and a half to go. And Strahan was on the sidelines going up and down, getting ready to be pumped up. He says, we're going to win this damn thing. Um, the emotional level was really off the chart. Yeah, 2012, you beat the Patriots again. Yeah. That was uh, the yeah. second time for sure. But uh, I'm sure you have just absolutely tremendous memories and and friendships that you've developed uh, from, yeah. from that as well. You know, so, so, you know, as we talk a little bit more, tell us about the evolution of the hospital for special surgery. I mean, you know, when you first started, maybe there were 6,000 operations. Now they're probably doing over 20,000 operations. Uh, they basically, you know, um, you know, it started in 1863 and it was really an outpatient facility. There wasn't an inpatient part of it. And then gradually they had an inpatient part of it, but there was no surgery. And then gradually evolved to start doing some surgery. And remember, orthopedics went through a rig evolution. I can remember when I was a resident in general surgery, um, you know, orthopedics was kind of over there. It was kind of looked down upon, I think, by general surgery. If you expressed an interest in general surgery in orthopedics at the time, all the general surgeons say, oh, you're too smart for that. Why would you go into that field? And trauma was just gradually being assimilated into the orthopedic field. And um, I was at St. Luke's and I applied to three different programs, special surgery, Columbia and Mass General. And um, I, got, I still remember Al Anglis was down there and he asked me about this little tumor that occurs in the finger sometimes. And I said, oh, you mean a glomus tumor? I think that's what got me in down there. And um, so then I went to uh, Vietnam and actually interesting, uh, my wife got a call from New York, New York Orthopedic Hospital that I'd been accepted in the, in the residency and she accepted for me. <laughs> I said to her, I said, hey, Laura, that's New York Orthopedic is not New York Hospital. She's got them mixed up. So then I had to call Stenchfield and tell him I was going to go to special surgery. <laughs> and, you know, the hospital at that time was evolving. You know, it was basically a, they had T. Campbell Thompson and a bunch of others that had done a lot of work on tenants and things. Polio was the big thing back in the 50s. And by the 70s, it was just, it was just starting to do total joints. Um, Phil Wilson initiated total hip surgery at HSS. And um, one, of, one of the first in the country to do it. And then they had uh, John Ensel was starting to work just on the total knee at that time. So that, well, there was a lot of exciting things going on at that time in terms of new joints and how to do things. And so it made residency really very interesting. And you learn a tremendous amount. But at the time, there were only about, oh, eight or nine attendings, they all had 35 patients in the hospital. And when I first came to special surgery, Phil Wilson could have a dinner and we could all sit, all the attendings could sit around at one table at dinner time. There were about maybe a dozen of us. 
And uh, that's obviously changed. Now there's about 150. So it makes kind of a big dinner table. The, um, but it's, it's certainly evolved. And um, I think it's a great place to work. It's got a excellent the research section. Lionel Shevsky runs our research division and it's very well funded. Um, they've done a, a wonderful job. And their rheumatology department there at HSS is really one of the best in the country. They do a great job with it. But the hospital has grown from, when I first was head, was head of the hospital, we were doing about 6,000 cases a year. And when I left around 2003 as chief, it was about 20,000. Now it's Tom Skalko did a wonderful job with it. And Brian Kelly's the head now. Todd Albert was in between, is up to about 35,000. So you can, it's a phenomenal place to learn because the volume is good. So for guys that want to be surgeons, it's a great place to be. Yeah, we've had a tremendous number of ortho show alumni uh, who have uh, who've had trained there or have been on staff there. Yeah. Uh, whether we've had fathers, we've had sons, we've had yeah. brothers. So it's a <laughs> unique place for sure. And uh, really just an amazing place for, for orthopedic surgery. So there's one more thing I want to talk about before we go. And it's your latest project. Uh, which is now you're a board member of the American Orthopedic Partners Platform. Uh, you and oh. Jim, you and Jimmy Andrews were added right. onto the board members there. Tell us a little bit about that and how's that going for well, you? Well, it, it's an interesting approach to orthopedics. I mean, I think what's going on today is that w- with the uh, insurance companies really buying up all the general practitioners, United is buying up maybe ten thousand this year is what they talked about. So you have the very large insurance players, then you have the hospitals in which presently about 50% of the orthopedists are now employed by the hospitals. So the guy that's out there on his own is pretty much in a bind in terms of trying to negotiate with either one of these payers. And so things like AOP, I think, can give some opportunity for individuals to be in a group situation, but still run their own practice. And so essentially it's a monetary process, but the same token, it needs to be done in a way that allows you as an orthopedist to run your practice. The organization can put capital into your practice to try to expand what you want to do, such like if you want to build AM surgery centers or get an MRI or build a PT unit. There's a variety of things that uh, the financial aspects can give you enough leverage to be more successful. And so it's a, you try to work your way on it and try to have the orthopedic group actually make a lot of the decisions for the company. Uh, so it's an interesting approach. There's a lot of different ways to try to do it. Some people like the idea, some don't, but I think it does give you leverage going forward. Yeah, it seems to be a really big push within orthopedics now, the private equity platform process, which allows those independent doctors that you've talked about yeah. to be able to have yeah. some some real backing to be able to help yeah. them make decisions as well. And Jay Bronner, that is the CEO of, of AOP, basically did this in radiology previously and created a very successful group. Orthopedics is obviously quite different, I think. Uh, docs are more independent and more entrepreneurial and more used to working on their own than radiology in general. So I think it's, there are some pressures that are different than radiology in that setting. 
Yeah, well, who wouldn't want to join Russ Warren and Jimmy Andrews? That's for sure. That's a hell of a hell of a head coach, couple of head coaches there for sure. Well, listen, Dr. Warren, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be able to share your unique story. You are literally a living legend in sports medicine. I want to thank you for your, your service to our country in Vietnam. Uh, I want to thank you for all of the work that you put in for developing sports medicine. Uh, so it is what it is today. I'm going to ask you a question and I need some help on this. Uh, December 10th, we have the Army Navy game. Go Navy, right? Go Navy, beat Army. Uh, we, I need your I need your help on a side bet. I've got a couple of Army guys that are going against me and I'm a Navy guy. So are you with me? I'm with you. Definitely with the Navy. <laughs> All right. Go Navy for sure. But literally, I want to thank you again, Dr. Warren. What a pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed talking with you. And uh, it's a great show you put on. Appreciate uh, thank, it. Thank you so much. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund. Hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Until next time.